Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Now, we are in the middle of August uh, 2020, and you may recall that some time ago, uh, Lisa Gregg, our tax expert, and I spoke about the optimal time for people to start lodging, preparing their information and start lodging uh, tax returns. Back when we first touched on the topic, it was possibly too early, uh, even if people had certain things up their sleeve in terms of receipts and other bits and pieces. There are things that happen behind the scenes at the ATO that have probably all now been sorted from an information standpoint. So we'll explore that in this podcast and look at what you should be doing now if you haven't yet lodged your tax return and some of the you know, risks that may exist if you had gone early. Lisa, thanks for joining me again. Thank you very much, Tom. Lovely to be here again. Now, it, when we spoke last, we spoke about the notion of there being a time when it's too early for people to lodge returns, right? Absolutely. Um, so we're in the middle of August. Uh, the ATO system has had time to pull things into um, what is known in tax agent land as pre-fills. Correct. Um, what is the state of play right now for people who haven't yet lodged their return? I'd say there's no time like the present, Tom, really. I think all the information in terms of income are pretty much in the pre-fills, as we say. So the pre-fills is, we call them that because the information that the ATO collect in terms of income pre-fill into your MyTax or your MyGov, if you're going to do your tax return yourself, or they pre-fill into our um, accounting software. And we can actually run a report for you, come straight out of the ATO about what they know about the about the taxpayer. So now I'm pretty much seeing everything's relatively ready to go. Uh, I am actually quite interested that there's a couple of managed investment trusts, MITs as we call them. So we're talking about um, investments in in like property and things like that where you, where you, well, it's a managed fund. So it's basically a number of different shares and funds all putting themselves together. Uh, there's some of those that haven't quite, quite got there on the pre-fill but I have received hard copies so it's just a bit of a bit of catch up but you know out of the fund managers the popular fund managers most of them are all ready to go and they've got themselves delightfully organized this year Tom I'm quite pleased usually I'm not seeing these reports until definitely later on um, in August at the earliest now I was seeing them even somewhere in July and um, early um, August but that is because some of the tax treatment has slightly changed uh, for MITs. They've, more, they've moved to what we call an attribution regime, which I think's precipitated getting the information earlier to us. But, you know, I would basically say in terms of income, there's a nice little uh, tick the checklist box to say that everything's been collected. So I would say get your tax returns done now. Now is the time to uh, see if you're going to get any money back. So it's basically a good time to sit down, compile the material, and if you're doing it yourself online, 
do it if you're using a tax agent. Um, make sure you make an appointment to see them and have that discussion um, about how you can get a, get um, your tax return sorted. Yeah, this year we've got to be a little bit more careful. As I said, the pre-fills or the income, they don't pre-fill your deductions, right? So um, we've just got to be a bit mindful about deductions. Make sure you've got the receipts. So, you know, the three golden rules of deductions is make sure you've uh, spent the money, you haven't been reimbursed. Um, it relates to earning your income and you've got something to prove prove it like a receipt or something like that so that's that's the thing for deductions the other thing this year is that um, there's a there's various deductions you can get by running a diary like working from home which a lot of us are in in the COVID world uh, things like using of mobile phones to work out what percentage is private or uh, work-related, those sort of things. So there's a lot of other documents you've got to pull together yourself that's not going to be in the pre-fill, which will be to the benefit of you and not for the revenue of the government. Yeah, now, there's... Um, there is such a thing in the tax universe, isn't there, Lisa, as being too early? Yeah, um, well, it's now, well, too early in terms of, see, what happens now, the ATO have got so much data about you that if you accidentally miss something because your records aren't fantastic, I reckon the ATO will find it. So that's when we talk about it being too early. We're basically saying, are you absolutely perfect that the information you've got is exactly what the ATO's got, right? So then otherwise it's so easy for them to just push a button and go, this label should have this much in it. This label should have that much in it, right? So that's when we're talking about too early. And that's where we were talking earlier podcasts, Tom, about just let's just hold your horses for a little bit because you might have missed something. And most of the time, everyone wants to do, you know, pay the right amount of tax. So it's not deliberate, but sometimes you forget a bank account that you closed or you forgot a, a, a share that got liquidated or you you just forget about a few things every now and then. So that's when we're talking about being too soon because we want to make sure what we lodge in terms of income matches exactly what the ATO have got as a minimum. In other words, there'll be things that the ATO won't pick up that we still need to disclose. However, we want to make sure that, you know, the, the bread and butter stuff like dividends, interest and salary and wages income all gets captured. Yeah, now there, there may be some people who get an adjusted return um, for whatever reason um, uh, as a result of going a bit earlier than they yeah. perhaps should have. What does getting your return adjusted by the tax office actually mean? Okay, so if it's an ATO-initiated um, uh, amendment, right, and it says that on the top of your notice of assessment, so let's just go back a couple of steps. So as an individual, we are on a self-assessment basis, which means we decide what we put in, uh, and then we receive a notice of assessment from the ATO to basically say, yep, this is what you've lodged, and we've done your calculation, and this is what your calculation says, full stop. However, say you haven't quite set up your private health insurance rebates correctly, 
or you say you've been covered by private health insurance for the full year where you really haven't and the ATA can see that or you've um, what you've said you're resident but you're really non-resident all those sort of things or there's a big amount of salary and wages income from a job that you had for two weeks or something like that um, that you've forgotten about that all of a sudden comes in right those sort of things is uh, where the ATO will just initiate an ATO amended assessment and you've got an option to object to it if you really object to it but basically it's a pretty heavy-handed letter Tom to be honest with you it basically comes in and says this is what it this is the this is what you've um, done in error in our opinion we think you need to pay x amount more tax if you want to object you've got so much time to do that full stop right and if you don't well that's then your new assessment right so that's the ato initiated one however uh if down the track you go whoops i've found something that i didn't remember putting in my return you can initiate an amendment as well now you may say lisa why would we initiate an amendment um, that's going to make us pay more tax if the ATO can't find it, right? Well, anything to do with the ATO, you're much better off fessing up before they find you, right? It's very much to, you know, you basically put in everything that you need to put in before the ATO come knocking and go, mm, why haven't you put this bit of income in there, right? Because if you initiate the uh, amended assessment you're then not going to be subject to penalties however you still may, may need to pay interest and the way the interest is calculated is when you should have lodged your return right compared to when you've done your amendment if there's a shortfall of tax that you have to pay so the ATO can apply interest on that amount however if it's an honest mistake what you can do or what we do a lot as tax practitioners we call up the ATO and go oh can you waiver GIC as we call it general interest charge can you waiver the GIC because it was just a little bit of a mistake da, da, da. and most of the time the lovely ATO people on the other end of the phone say sure we can do that and they do it immediately right so it's always good if there's anything with the ATO get on the front foot please do not put your head in the sand with anything to do with the ATO because that's when it can go extremely nasty and it's nasty for you it's not for them because it's nasty for you because then you've got to pay us as practitioners or lawyers or you've got to pay the penalties or you've got to pay the interest so it's only ever going to work out bad for you and the ATO are just going to go well it is what it is right and that's what the issues are It, uh, it's actually an important message for, for people to um, to think about when they're dealing with the tax office because you can um, even unwittingly just create yourself a problem uh, and you don't need that and you don't want that um, uh, additional headache in a sense. If we look at um, if we flip this around Lisa and say okay people lodge now they get the uh, they get a, a, a 
a return on investment, if you like, for getting your tax tax okay. in. Um, and I get their little uh, a little amount that says, "You butte, we've done um, we've we've done okay this year. We've got a um, something from the return." The challenge for some people will be when to start monitoring and assembling uh, their tax paperwork for the next year, right? Mm-hmm. Now, having having fulfilled 2020, so 2019-20, um, you've got an opportunity as a person or as a small company to avoid some of the um, confusion, if you like, or some of the rush at the last minute by planning ahead. Now, what are some of the things people should be thinking about if they're if they've just gone through the uh, receipt hunt, the shoebox stunt, the I can't find that receipt from Jetstar type thing? Um, what should they be thinking about in terms of keeping their records for next time? Oh, Tom, that's a good question because everyone, I think. The majority of people don't like getting their tax done, okay? People like money, but they don't usually like counting it, if I can put it that way, or accounting for it could be a better word, eh? That could be a better word for it. Um, so, look, you're much better off doing things in real time, okay? Um, in the olden days, if we can, you and I can remember the olden days, before we even had computers on our desks and things like that, Uh you could. Oh, yeah, you mean black and white television? <laughs> I can still remember. Yes, actually, uh, oh, the story is yes. My, we we got our first coloured TV with one of Dad's tax return tax refunds. So yeah, that was a pretty good day for me. An old rank rank arena. Can you believe that? Yeah. Anyway, I love I love my TV. You know that, but so probably some listeners do anyway. Um. So in the olden days, where it was a paper trail. Right, and we didn't have big data, and we didn't have computers, and we didn't have electronic receipts and things like that. We could play catch up football for want of a better term whenever we really liked. Right, you can basically say, Oh, I'll find a receipt. And remember the old carbon copy receipt books and things like that, Tom? And you could, you could, you could create your receipts and time travel back in time and do those sort of things. You can't do that anymore. Why? Because everything's time-stamped. Everything's digital. You know, I go to Officeworks and buy something. They go, oh, we'll just email you the receipt. Lisa. They go, fantastic. It emails to me and it goes straight up into my into my Zero Blue system and it's all beautiful, right? I've got a beautiful audit trail. I do everything in real time, right? The same thing needs to occur for individuals. So the thing is, right, we there is plenty of apps, and I'm sure we've got more apps on our phone than we can possibly imagine, right? But there's apps to do everything now, okay? So you've got an app called My Deductions that the ATO put out quite a few years ago, which you can basically take a photo of a receipt and put it in there, right? The problem you've got is that that information can't then go into MyGov, MyTax, but don't go there, right? At least it's somewhere. Set up something where, you know, you have a 
work-related expenses file on your phone or an app, take a photo of the receipt, throw it in there. Because you know with those thermal receipts as well, they fade anyway, so you may as well take a photo of them. And think about it as you're buying something. Could this potentially be a work-related deduction, for example? Even if it gets knocked back by people like myself at tax time, at least you got the receipt to have the conversation. Right? If you haven't got the receipt, it's going to be very hard to have the conversation. Now, receipts are pretty easy, really, because we get them digitally, we get them emailed to us, we can take a photo of them and put them in some sort of app or file on our phones. Okay, and of course, you know, we've got that much memory in our phones now. There was, there's no excuses of whether it's a Meg file or whatever, it can still be saved. The other thing is diaries. Remember what I was mentioning diaries just a little while ago. Diaries are so important because there are so many things, especially under COVID with working from home, there'll be some things that are private in nature and there'll be some, some things that are work-related in nature. So for some things, say like the PC you use at home or the Mac you use at home, there'll be elements where you'll be watching Netflix and you'll be doing some spreadsheets or you'll be doing some Zooming for work or whatever. Because there's many things that have both a work and a private component, we can only take the tax deduction from the work component. So how do you work out the percentage? You need to come up with some way of doing that. And so holding a diary and things like that and basically monitoring, like your Zoom calls know when you jumped in, how long you were on for and everything like that. So there's a way that you can pretty scientifically, if you want to call it that, or accounting-wise, calculate your private and your um, work-related component. So that's what you need to start putting the systems in place now, even though we're now at, what, you know, mid-August. So you're collecting the data as it goes, so it's not going to be, oh, do I need to go back and then, you know, mine all this time that I've spent on my computer or whatever to work out how am I going to apportion it. The other thing is when we're back outside of COVID, when we can still move around, and the listeners know we're both in Melbourne, Tom, so we're um, curfew. Yes, our curfew's been on for seven minutes, so we can't we can't be outside, right? Um, when we can go back driving our car, there's so many apps now that GPS your location. So if you want to work out how many kilometres you've travelled for work, it can calculate it for you in real time. And so then you can basically download the, the in effect, you know, well, export a spreadsheet as a CSV or whatever, and you can yeah. download it and go, well, okay, this is what I've driven for the driven for the year. How many kilometres? Is it under 5,000 kilometres? Is it over 5,000 kilometres? So, you know, I know I've, I've, I've rabbited on on this for a little while, Tom, but it's so easy to set the systems up now so it's not arduous when it comes to 30 June. You know, if you do it, if you think about them now, just collect them. And the ATO try and make it not overly complicated for you, right? So your time at home is keep a four-week diary for your work from home. For your car, you know, or your kilometres, you know, if you're claiming your five five thousand k, you know, you look you're looking at actual, you know, justify what trips you've made. But if you're using the logbook method for your car, you only have to keep a logbook for twelve weeks out of five years. Like to claim a really decent deduction, which you can get with a logbook, like it's not that arduous to get a nice, healthy deduction. Twelve weeks over five years, like the ATL have been 
fairly realistic with these sort of things, Tom. So, but you've got a plan now, so you're not going to be anxious and have an anxious conversation with people like me now going, well, did you keep a logbook? And they went, no. And I go, well, I can't give you the deduction. Oh, why, Lisa? I said, because you haven't given me the right paperwork. Yeah, I think the, the, the more critical uh, point for the punters out there is to look at uh, look at what they have in terms of technology and use it effectively to to make the you know, the task of record keeping easier. Um, one of the things that uh, you'll find is the ATO's got that app. You're right, but then you've got various companies. I think the the guys at Intuit Online or one of these software companies has also got an app that just keeps enables you to keep track of various expenses. Um, so it's all out there. It's just a question of people understanding what's available to uh, to make life easy for them. And most of it's free as well, Tom. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't pay for the product, you're the product, but it's free. So they just want your data, right? It's a simple, if you've got a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter account, a TikTok account, they know what you're doing anyway. So, you know, just jump on and use, use the apps. And there's plenty out there that, and you just have to work out which one's going to work the best for you. In, I mean, that's pretty good for those who are individual uh, taxpayers who don't have a complex existence, shall we say. Uh, but when it comes to a company uh, or, or, say, sole trader that's a bit more sophisticated, uh, what do they tend to use for, for their record keeping? Look, Tom, um, I have a number of different clients um, in those sort of um, buckets, if I can call it that. Uh, and some still use an Excel spreadsheet. And Excel is fabulous. It's a fabulous product. But for the small cost per month of using an accounting software package, really, it makes life so much easier, even if you are only quite small. Okay, because what happens is you get you get the software package. It's a software is a, is a service, so you pay anywhere between say twenty to fifty dollars a month, depending on how much you want to be able to do, whether you're GST registered, depending on how many invoices you do, how many whether you need payroll or or not. Right, you know, maximum I would say. If you're paying more than about $50 a month, even for a pretty decent-sized business, you know, you, you're not making the system work for you, right? It makes it so much easier because each one of those software products, even for the $20 ones, you can do what we call bank feeds. So what it does, it pulls in all your bank, bank statements in in real time and you know exactly where you are and you can code them as you go, Tom. And then um, you've got other products that can pick up your receipts and push them into, in effect, push, pick up your receipts and push them into those software packages. And there's, there's two products out there. One is already free with the blue accounting software product, right? And it just makes it so much easier. But you don't even have to go that sophisticated. Like every single you can basically scan or take a photo of a receipt and you can upload it with each um, 
payment that you've made from your bank statement and it just happens in real time Tom so it's just so easy and you've just got to factor that into running your business because honestly it is if you're scared of accounting software packages talk to a bookkeeper or an accountant to set you up to begin with and then then once they're set up properly they're pretty straightforward to run as long as you keep, keep to the right set of rules for your business and then you come to us at year end like you probably might do your own baz and then you come to us at year end we'll just reconcile the baz make sure you've done done it all right do the tax return and off you go right and honestly it is that simple and we love it because all the data is already there we don't have to go hunting for it all we need to do is basically do a reconciliation and make sure it's right and so look I'm I'm a big believer now everything in the cloud everything's relatively inexpensive uh, and and just go through that it make, does make your life so much easier it really does well, one of the things that is worthwhile pointing out to, to people listening is that they're able to look at different uh, packages and software online. There are sites that review these products, as well as the sites of the software developers themselves, mind you. I mean, I've uh, found one not so long ago that's done by Canstar, and there's the, a the comparison between the key accounting packages, you know, QuickBooks, Zero, uh, Myob, and, and Reckon. So there, there's information available out there mm -hmm. for people who uh, are interested in exploring uh, having accounting software. Now, there are those who will sit back and probably say that their own personal diary or a spreadsheet is enough because they don't do a lot of work in... Um, in a commercial space or they just need to, uh, they're happy to do it that way and then hand it over to the accountant at the end of the year uh, but there's a bit of research people can do to find something they're comfortable with yeah tom and look if you're not registered for gst and you're running a pretty simple um business where you're not issuing too many invoices um you're not your expenses are quite routine if I could put it that way you're probably you're probably okay on a spreadsheet right but you know, as soon as you register for GST you're issuing a lot of invoices if you're traveling and on the go um, you know all these all these software companies have an app on your phone where you can check things as you go um, you know, for a small outlay it does make your life a lot easier and then you can spend your time working on your business instead of worrying about you know the bookkeeping and, and and the accounting side of things so i mean that's how that's how i feel about it and you know there's there's even free products out there that you know might not quite be all things to all people but you'll get there but yeah you're absolutely right you know the the, the, the big four of the accounting software vendors you know they've definitely got um the products that are going to be fit for purpose for any sort of um business out there and I just it just makes it easy for me as well and, and it makes it easier for them I truly think that that's the right the right move from a uh, from a strategic standpoint it's probably um, good for people to, to as we've said to, to put their 
mind um, into planning gear now. Uh, I know that when Lisa and I do these podcasts, what we do is we try to anticipate a wave of things going forward. Uh, and those of you that have monitored it closely will know that Lisa and I were talking about lodgement of tax returns before some of the breakfast programs were doing it on telly. Uh, there's a reason for that. You, and, quite poorly, Tom, and quite poorly, Tom, and quite poorly. Well, we, you know, that's a that's a question of the quality of understanding, and um, which is actually not there at the present time. But there'll be, you know, a few things to be said for that on another occasion. But if you um, if you can anticipate some of the trends, then you'll be in a better position to cope. One of the things that's unsettled a lot of people, though, this year has been the onset of the coronavirus. There's a whole heap of stuff that you wouldn't have been able to uh, anticipate and deal with. It's a risk that nobody imagined would affect people in, in Australia the way it has. Um, but you know you've got to lodge a tax return. You know you've got to prepare material for one. Um, so that is already a known issue. The best way of dealing with it is to get your mind into gear early, and that's what we'll try and continue to do uh, during, a, the, during the weekly look at tax issues. Um, the other thing, before we close off, Lisa, has there been any uh, uh, any quirky issues that's come up um, along the way for you that uh, points to people needing to understand something better as they deal with their returns at the last minute? Um, look, I think that the main message coming through at the moment, and I know you've, you've alluded to COVID, Tom, um, that if your if your taxable income says around the fifty to seventy k sort of mark, so if you want me to explain that, I'm just basically saying if roughly you know the salary and wages you get from your employers around about that, um, it's well worth you uh, jumping onto MyGov or talking to a tax agent to get your tax returns done because the uh, low medium income tax offset of $1,080 up to $1,080 is available again this year. It's, it was last year and it encouraged people to get their tax returns done early. So what I'm finding is all my clients that fit into that camp, I'm actually proactively um, approaching them and saying, let's let's get let's let's just get your tax return done now and you know you'll basically get your thousand bucks sort of thing so that's one thing that um is extremely uh important uh and that's to do with tax returns getting them in so i think that's a good idea um once you do lodge the tax return it's taking about a week to get your refund into your bank account which is pretty standard and pretty right which is fantastic so that's what's happened on the income tax return front um and the other thing is for those of you that are listening that are casual employees um, that may have been given a bit of a uh, short shift on JobKeeper, uh, there's been some amendments that have uh, gone through, or not gone through, but are, are proposed that may mean that for casual casuals might be able to uh, be eligible for JobKeeper. So um, I think that's watch this space and uh, talk to your employers about whether you come into the, what will we call it, um, JobKeeper job 1.0 um, abridged version or amended version, which is coming in. 
And uh, as we were talking earlier, Tom, JobKeeper 2.0 basically was a car crash and um, and basically must have stayed in beta test because it will never see the light of day and we've moved straight, straight to JobKeeper 3.0. But as we know, we've got to wait for the people in Canberra to get out of their 14-day quarantine and jump into Parliament. Uh, what is it? Not next week, the week after, isn't it? Uh, to uh, pass some of this legislation yeah. for us. They're, they're, they're due to you know, go to work in the big place in the next little while. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing that we need to look at. So just um, as I said, just uh, there's some there's some nice little opportunities, especially for those people that um, were casual employees uh, that the, so just to clarify, the 12, you had to be um, employed as a casual for 12 months up until the 1st of March. It's now been modified to be the 1st of July. So if if you've been employed as a casual from the 12 months from the 1st of July what are we doing 2019 to the 1st of July 2020? If you fit within that 12-month framework, you are now eligible for JobKeeper pending legislation getting passed. So I know that some of my colleagues um, are being busy basically checking eligibility for those people and uh, bringing some more eligible employees into that JobKeeper bucket, which is fantastic for them. And fantastic for the employers as well. Uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch the uh, the Parliament's passage of the legislation. And the one thing that we uh, need to alert people to uh, before we close, and that is, while you as an individual taxpayer out in listener land or a, or a business see something in the media about an announcement. Um, It's not necessarily the right time to ring your tax agent immediately to say, what's in it for me? Um, And the most important thing to remember in that context is the tax agent won't necessarily have the law in front of them because typically it hasn't yet been passed. And a lot of things depend on what the final form of the law is um, and whether or not you're going to be eligible for something based on the wording of the legislation. And that's a catch, I think, Lisa, that people will need to remember. Yeah, and also I'm finding that a lot more um, individual taxpayers, I mean individual in terms of not tax agents, are ringing the ATO and asking questions, um, especially with COVID, just to double-check things. A lot of them are checking on their... Um, responsibilities and things like that and the other thing that's really important to be aware of is the ATO will not comment on any pending legislation okay so if you called up the ATO now and said tell me about JobKeeper 3.0 they will not answer your question because they need to apply the law as it's passed and there's nothing that's passed yet so you won't find any information on the ATO website you won't be able to talk to the ATO about it they will not issue any guidance until it's passed as law so for those of you that may have seen a fact sheet that's come out about JobKeeper 3.0 you'll notice it's come out from Treasury 
okay so it's come out from the government not from the ATO so that's really important to be aware of as well Tommy um, I know that a lot of our, our plus practitioners get really annoyed especially when the legislation says it's up to the ATO well you know then they've got to prepare their documents to support it so I just thought that was just something to just be aware of and I'm hoping that some of these podcasts are actually educating our listeners as well on process because you know tax law is very complicated but tax law is tax law we can apply it a lot of the times it's the process and our interactions with the ATO that make it a little bit more tricky and open to interpretation. The other thing that um, you might also um, remember, um, guys out there listening, is that if you're using a tax agent, that tax agent will be providing a lot of information to people in um, in the same position that are in their client base. Uh, the other, and sometimes it might uh, be advantageous if you've got an agent yourself because I'll be in a position to take your query query to the ATO along with several other uh, queries from other people that need need some answers. Oh, yeah, exactly. Then, yeah, exactly, Tom. I mean, there's, there's great consultative forums with the ATO um, and there's a lot of, uh, when there's time permitted, uh, there's a lot of consultation with the, very, the three accounting bodies and the Tax Institute and other other uh, bodies that will present in the best interests of the members being us tax agents and in effect we're representing our clients our taxpayers uh, the the taxpayers as well Um, so there is consultation and it's only if there's time though so the COVID stimulus package the first tranche cash flow boost job keeper job seeker and everything went through so quickly there was no consultation now there could be an opportunity, given that the JobKeeper 3.0 is not going to come in until October, we've got a little bit more time for consultation, which means it sh- the legislation should be as fit for purpose as what the intent of the legislation is, if I can put it that way. Yeah, and that's probably a good place to wrap things up. Now, one, one bit, little bit of news I've got is uh, it won't be too long before... Uh, the next book comes out, Rorts and Ripoffs, where I do deal with the issue of um, the choice of a particular choice of an advisor and what need people need to think about. So when the book comes out, Lisa and I will come back to that topic at, and look at that in a in a little bit more depth, um, because that's something that people also need to think about in an era where you've got things like early release of superannuation and a changing um, pitch, if you like, in terms of the financial well-being of people as a result of the economic impact of the coronavirus. So stay tuned for some of that on a future podcast. Lisa, thanks for joining me again. Always a pleasure, Tommy. Thank you so much. And we'll be back uh, with another podcast on a range of issues, um, including tax compliance and all that type of stuff next week. Take care, stay safe and look after each other.